0: Welcome. This is Crime Noir, a true crime podcast telling our stories. And I'm your host, Candace, And this is Case 27, the murder of Shania Davis. I mean, writing this episode today literally made me sick to my stomach. So I'm just going to do um, a little trigger warning that the continent in today's episode is very disturbing. Um, I will be using explicit language and also there is themes of sexual abuse and rape of a minor. So let's get started. Shania Davis was a five-year-old biracial black girl who was tragically murdered by a man by the name of Mario McNeil. He also went by the name Mena. This tragic crime took place in November 2009. Before Shania was murdered, she lived with her mother, Antoinette Davis, and her older brother. He was older by two years, and he was seven at the time. He is not listed in the court documents by his name. They all lived with Brenda Davis, who is Antoinette's sister, in a trailer which was located at Sleepy Hollow Trailer Park in Fayetteville, North Carolina. On the evening of November 9th into the early mornings of November 10th, Mario McNeil ingested cocaine and alcohol and started texting all the women in his phone. He tried to text Brenda, but her phone was turned off. Mario and Brenda had an on and off relationship. Previously, Mario gave Brenda a deposit so that she would be able to move into the Sleepy Hollow trailer. This allowed Mario to have previous knowledge on how to get into the trailer as he had been around there. During this time period, Brenda was dating a man by the name of Jeroy, who was her children's father. So in the trailer, y'all, we have Antoinette and her children in the front room. And then we have Brenda and Jeroy and their children in the back room. So I just wanted to give you guys that background so you guys can kind of understand the living situation that Shania was um, dealing with at the time she disappeared and was eventually murdered. Mario was also texting another woman by the name of Taeza McLean, who lived in the Sleepy Hollow trailer park. Tyesa invited him over, but by the time Mario got there, she was asleep. He arrived at almost 3 a.m. He then texts Brenda again at 3.07 a.m. and uh, at approximately 5.30 a.m. Brenda woke up because she thought she heard the bedroom door open She mentioned this to her partner and her children's father, Jeroy. Jeroy and Brenda eventually went back to sleep, but then were awakened at around 6 a.m. by Antoinette, um, wondering where Shania was. They both said they hadn't seen her. Antoinette then told Brenda and Jeroy that she was going to look outside for Shania. While outside, Shania's older brother, again, his name is not mentioned in court documents, just his initials, told Brenda and Joy, that they had seen Mario in the house previously. Joy asked him if he was certain about this, and he responded, Yeah. Brenda then called and texted Mario, but he was unresponsive. Joy then called April Atrium. I think that's how you say your name. Sorry if I'm pronouncing it wrong. April is the mother of Mario's child. April indicated that Mario was not with her. Antoinette then came back to the trailer and reported that she knocked on various doors in the neighborhood, but no one saw or knew where Shania was. Brenda told Antoinette to call the police, but Antoinette did not want to. Now, how your kid go missing and you don't want to call the police, like make it make sense, but we'll get into that, y'all. Brenda and Joy went outside and noticed that the stairs and railings of the trailer had poop on it, and that had not been there the previous night. There was also yellow writing scribbled within the poop on the railing. And I think they believe that was urine. Don't quote me on that, though. Right after 6 a.m., Mario checked into the Comfort Inn and Suites in Sanford, North Carolina. He was alone. He provided his identification and checked into room 201 under his own name. There is surveillance footage of this, guys, and it's it's everywhere. You can watch it for yourself. Mario told the front desk clerk, Jacqueline Lee, that he was going to take his daughter, a.k.a. Shania, to her mother in Virginia. At approximately 6.17 a.m., he went back to his car, which was located in the hotel's parking lot, and he waited there for several minutes before re-entering the hotel. When he re-entered the hotel, he was carrying a child later identified as Shania. The child was covered up with a blanket. J- Jacqueline saw Mario carrying the child on the hotel's video feed. During this time, Jacqueline noticed the texture of the child's hair. The child's hair sparked Jacqueline's attention because of the amber alert that was issued regarding Shania's disappearance. Another hotel occupant noticed Mario carrying a child at 6.24 a.m. in the hotel's hallway. During the hotel's morning shift change, Regina Bocconi replaced Jacqueline Lee at the front desk, Mario then came down to the breakfast area and got a banana, juice, and a muffin and took them back to the room. This occurred around 6.36 a.m. Around this time, Antoinette finally decided to call the police at 6.52 a.m. after her sister Brenda insisted that she do so. So not even on her own volition, y'all. She didn't even want to call. Just sickening. Police arrived approximately 10 minutes after the contact and searched for Shania. They searched for Shania using dogs and conducted interviews. Police officer Elizabeth Culver saw poop on both railings of the front porch. At the time, the substance was smooth as if something had been poured on it. When officers arrived, Antoinette had a pot in her hand and had poured water on the poop. Authorities informed her not to do that. Authorities also found a blanket of Antoinette's in the trash. Usually, the blanket was in the living room of the trailer. It was a thick, child-like type of blanket which contained poop on it. A forensic technician collected the blanket and processed it for fluids, fibers, and hairs. To gather more information on what could have happened with Shania, Officer Culliver began speaking with members of the family. Um, Antoinette, Brenda, Geroy, and Shania's little brother were all interviewed. At the scene, Shania's little brother was very distracted and would look at Brenda before answering questions. He indicated that he had remembered Shania coming to bed, but did not remember her leaving the bedroom. When interviewing Antoinette and Brenda, they were constantly looking at their phones and texting. It was hard getting them to focus on the questions. Other officers on the scene went to the main office of the trailer park to see video footage of what may have transpired that night. Meanwhile at the hotel at approximately 7 34 a.m video footage shows Mario carrying the child out of the hotel. Matthew Argyle an employee of the hotel was working and saw Mario carrying the child and spoke to Mario but Mario basically iced him. Shania appeared to be asleep as Mario had her covered up. Matthew knew something was off. So then he sneakily tried to observe Mario and what he was doing. He saw Mario put the child in the right passenger side of the car and then smoke a cigarette. Matthew then continued to watch Mario from a distance. He acted as if he was doing busy work, but Matthew just knew something was off. Mario then drove to the pavilion at the front entrance of the hotel, put out his cigarette and then went into the hotel. Mario went to the front desk and asked Regina Bacani for the security deposit he used to book the hotel. Mario claimed he had to hurry and get back on the road to drive his daughter to Virginia to meet up with her mother. He was given his deposit. Later, a housekeeper who cleaned room 201, where Mario resided during the time, brought Regina one or two small clear plastic packets with right residue that appeared to Regina to be cocaine. In the meantime, Matthew continued to observe Mario. He watched Mario get back into his car and drive on to Highway 87. However, Matthew did not act on his feelings of something being off until he saw an Amber Alert the next day. At 7.49 a.m., Mario texts Brenda saying, hey. Brenda was at the police station at this time and had text Mario saying, hey, at approximately 6.53 a.m., after Shania's little brother had informed her that Mario was in the trailer the previous night. At 8.22 a.m., cell phone towers pinged Mario at being near the intersection of Highway 87 and Highway 24. Between 8.33 a.m. and 9.48 a.m., Mario and Brenda exchanged various text messages. Brenda asked Mario if he had been to her house, in which Mario replied, No why? Brenda then accused him of lying and Mario responded, no, can I come though? Brenda then replied, hell no. Mario said, damn, it's like that and then text her again saying, him there? Brenda replied saying, don't text me no more. Mario replied, sure, whatever. Mario then sent another text saying, why your baby dad called my baby ma asking for me? Mario then sent another text saying, what the hell is going on? Brenda did not tell law enforcement that she was corresponding with Mario while she was at the police department because she didn't want to, quote unquote, assume anything. She also didn't want to inform the police of what Shania's little brother said about Mario being in the trailer previously. So let me get this straight. Your niece is missing. You have her little brother saying, hey, this man was in the the trailer earlier you have you're texting him but you're not letting law enforcement know this come on come on but let's we're gonna get there y'all we're gonna get there around this time Antoinette was also interviewing for the first time at the police station and I need to tell y'all she lied several different times and they're gonna disgust you so just prepare yourself During this first interview, Antoinette told Detective Bowman that she did not know what happened with Shania or who could have taken her. She stated that she put Shania to sleep in Shania's brother room at around 5 a.m. and was later informed by Shania's little brother that Shania was no longer in the bed. When Antoinette discovered that no one had seen Shania, she started looking around the neighborhood before she called the police. That's Cap. She lied. During this first interview, Antoinette was upset because the interview took six plus hours and she wanted to look for her daughter. Antoinette was not under arrest, so she was free to leave, but she chose to stay. Back at the hotel, Regina finished her shift at the comfort suites at 3 p.m. and returned back to work at 7 the next day on November 11, 2009. During this time, Regina and Jacqueline noticed that there was an Amber Alert happening. Jacqueline believed the child shown on the screen looked like the child she had seen with Mario the previous morning. As a result, she called the Amber Alert hotline, which was responded to. A forensic technician by the name of Slish came in process room 201 for evidence. The hotel manager informed Slish that the bedding had not been changed, but the trash was removed along with a towel, but this was before staff knew of the situation. During this processing, two comforters were collected as evidence. And also during this time, police were looking at surveillance footage and honestly believed that Shania was alive. This became a multi-agency investigation. The National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, the FBI, and the Fayetteville Police Department were all working to bring this baby home. The FBI worked vigorously to analyze cell phone data. Police eventually started searching for Shania around Highway 87 from Spring Lake toward Sanford. The police received lots of assistance from volunteers and various law enforcement agencies. When the video of Mario and Shania was unearthed, Brenda and Jeroy Smith informed police that Shania's little brother stated that Mario had been in the trailer the night Shania went missing. There began to be issues between Antoinette and Brenda. Brenda eventually thought Antoinette was lying, so that's a very interesting tidbit. But anyways... A second interview of Antoinette was conducted in the evening on November 11, 2009, which did not last long at all. This time, Antoinette told police officials that her boyfriend, Clarence Coe, had taken Shania. She also claimed that he hit Shania twice in the face after Antoinette and him had an argument. According to her own words, she never tried to stop him from taking Shania. She also states that she believed that Shania was somewhere around Merchantson Road area. 30 minutes later, she left the station. So, I mean, Antoinette was just big lying, um, and she just implicated an innocent man, and for what? But y'all will see. Y'all are here because we're going to get into it. On November 12th, Brenda talked to law enforcement officials again, eventually allowing them to take photos of her conversation with Mario via text. Mario also agreed to come to the police station to speak with them, His car was also recovered at Mount Sinai Apartments. A search warrant was conducted and evidence was collected. Mario was interviewed by multiple law enforcement officers as they were trying hard to find Shania. Despite Shania being missing for two days at this point, officers in the community were very still hopeful that she was still alive. During these interviews, Mario was not under arrest and he was allowed to continue using his cell phone. Mario did admit to being at the Sleepy Hollow Trailer Park on November 10th. At first, he denied going to Brenda's trailer, seeing Shania, or even knowing her. He basically denied anything pertaining to the investigation. However, he was confronted with conflicting evidence, such as his identification, address, and same signature were all used to check into the comfort suites. He then stated he lost his ID, but eventually admitted that he was in the hotel with Shania. Mario then proceeded to tell police about how he received a text message from Brenda telling him to come get Shania from off the porch. He then took Shania to the hotel where he did some coke. He then got various text messages from random unknown people telling him to bring Shania to a dry cleaners located on the corner of Country Club Drive and Ramsey Street. Mario says he dropped Shania off to these unknown people and that they drove away. And a gray Nissan Maxima. According to police officials, the investigation and interview changed when Mario stated that he was waiting for a call to, quote unquote, to come to kill her. However, he would not expound upon this statement. The evidence does not support Mario's claims, and he was arrested for kidnapping Shania. When the police reviewed the videotape of the interview while Mario was alone, he was seen making the sign of the cross. He took out a key and put it in a wall electrical socket. He received a jolt. He took off his shoes and did it again. So this man tried to kill himself. Crazy. Antoinette was also interviewed for a third time on November 12th. This interview lasted for about 46 minutes during which Antoinette was confronted regarding the lies she told regarding Shania. Antoinette eventually broke down and folded. She admitted that she had lied, and she admitted that she lied on her boyfriend Clarence Cole, and he had nothing to do with it. This is a sick woman. On November 13, 2009, Antoinette was interviewed one more time regarding her daughter's disappearance. During this interview, she stated she was pregnant and gave some insight as to what happened to her daughter. This is where it gets messy, y'all. It's this, is, this will make you sick to your stomach. Antoinette indicated that she owed Mario $200 and that he wanted either money or sex to repay the debt. She also admitted that she allowed Mario, whom she referred to as Mono, to take Shania to a hotel room to have sex with her to settle the $200 debt. She also claimed that Mario was supposed to allow another person to have sex with Shania, but did not know who the person was. Yo, what? What? $200 makes you sell your five-year-old daughter? Your five-year-old daughter? I'm disgusted. On November 16, 2009, Shania's body was found under a log in an area with deer carcasses. Mario was charged with first-degree murder and first-degree rape of Shania. Later, he was charged with rape of a child by an adult offender, sexual offense of a child by an adult offender, felony child abuse inflicting serious bodily injury, felony child abuse by prostitution, first-degree kidnapping, human trafficking, sexual servitude, and taking indecent liberties with a child. Antoinette was also charged with human trafficking, felonious child abuse, felony conspiracy, first-degree kidnapping, first-degree murder, rape of a child by an adult offender, sexual servitude, and taking indecent liberties with a child. During Mario's trial, the medical examiner at the time, Dr. Thomas Clark, testified that Shania had a bruise on her face injuries to her vaginal area, and two abrasions on her upper thigh. Dr. Clark indicated that her injuries were consistent with sexual assault and that a blood object had penetrated her. Dr. Clark ruled that she most likely died from strangulation. There was evidence that there was blood on her vaginal, rectal, and oral swabs and also on the crotch of her underwear. Mario's DNA matched the evidence collected as well. Ultimately, on May 23, 2013, Mario was found guilty of first-degree murder and all charges except for rape of a child by an adult offender. During the sentencing phase, Shania's father, Bradley Lockhart, testified him and Antoinette dated very briefly and then she got pregnant. Shania was born on June 14, 2004. Shania primarily stayed with Antoinette and her family. However, Bradley was an active father and would pick her up on a weekly basis and spoke with her daily. Later in 2006 or 2007, Bradley bought a nice-sized house in Fayetteville, which allowed Shania to live with him. Bradley has four other children. Shania was extremely close with her siblings and her father. She also dreamed of becoming a singer. Shania moved back with her mother in October 2009, but he still maintained a close relationship with her. They spoke multiple times a week on the phone. Bradley explained that losing his daughter was a traumatic experience for him and that he had trouble sleeping after losing her. He also questioned if he could have done anything different. Cheyenne Lockhart, Bradley's older daughter, also testified that she loved her sister and that was her many me Mario did not present any mitigating circumstances or character witnesses during this sentencing. With all things considered, on May 29, 2013, Mario McNeil was sentenced to death for the first-degree murder of Shania Davis. He was also sentenced to 336 to 413 months for sexual offense against a child by an adult. He was also sentenced to 116 to 149 months for first-degree kidnapping, 116 to 149 months for human trafficking of a minor victim, 116 to 149 months for sexual servitude of a minor victim, and 21 to 26 months for indecent liberties with a child. Antoinette ultimately received a plea deal. She did not plead guilty to first-degree murder, but she did enter an Alford plea for a variety of charges, such as first-degree kidnapping and felony child abuse. An Alford plea is not an admission of guilt, but does mean that prosecutors have enough evidence to score a conviction. The Alford plea allowed her to avoid three life sentences if she would have gotten convicted on the first degree murder. She was sentenced to 17 to 21 years in prison. So my thoughts on this case, y'all, is that this is probably one of the most horrific cases I've ever read about. Um, I do think Mario received the appropriate punishment. However, I thought Antoinette got off lightly. I mean, she sold her daughter, uh, her five-year-old child, for a $200 debt. I mean, she will never see the gates of heaven. I mean that sincerely. I just think this is so sick. And, and, and the fact that she even had the nerve to be like, well, oh, she was only supposed to have sex with her as if that makes it any better. Like, are you delusional? Like, it just literally makes me sick to my stomach that this little five-year-old girl was essentially set up by her mom to be tortured over $200 just disgusting. I mean, I'm just heartbroken. And this is not uncommon, you guys. This is not uncommon. I mean, we've heard a lot of stories and cases like this. It's very alarming. So I'm just very disgusted at this case. Um, Some other facts I wanted you guys to know about this is that Mario has been getting infractions in prison. He has about 14 infractions currently, ranging from sexual acts assaulting staff with a weapon damaging property and profane language and many more and also this case came to my attention via um j cole for those of you guys who aren't familiar j cole is a rapper he is from north carolina i'm not sure what part but i do believe it's Fayetteville and he dedicated a song to her called sea world so if you haven't heard that please youtube it it's a really good song um, like I said, you guys, I believe this to be one of the saddest stories I've ever covered and read. And also to make matters worse, Shania's older brother, Chavez Lockhart, was also shot and killed on May 24, 2017. He was just 20 years old. So just heartbreak in the family. Um, they do have two suspects for that that have been um, charged. But I didn't see anything about a court case or anything like that. But they were he was killed by some kids. He was killed by Devore Hodges, who was age 18, and Devonte McDuffie, who was age 17 at the time. And they were arrested for his murder and charged with first degree murder and felony conspiracy. So just a sad, sad story, you guys. Um, but yeah, this wraps up this week's episode. I love you guys. You guys can follow me on Twitter. It's crime X Noir. Follow me on Instagram on Crime Noir, the podcast. I am on Clubhouse. I do weekly true crime Tuesdays on there. So if you're on Clubhouse, follow me on Crime um, at Crime Noir. And I hope you guys have a good week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.